All right. We're back for part three of our draft series here on Cap and Trade, episode 29. Tonight is joining us returning guest Landry Locker of 610 Radio and Mike Melcher of Sirius XM Radio. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, two days away. Freaking lovely, man. I love this time of the year. It's been fun. It's exciting. Uh, how can you not be doing well right now? I would agree. I mean, it. You know, we got first round, second round. Got lots of lots of picks, a lot of smoke and mirrors. Nick has got media turning left and right. I've, I think I saw in the timeline this morning. Uh, Texans were in love with four different players at the number three slot. So you know, they've got everybody confused on where they're going to go, what they're going to do. It's a fun time, and it's exciting for the fans. It's exciting for everyone involved. It's it's a lot of good talking points on the radio. It's a lot of good talking points and written. So nothing to be ashamed about. So with that, we'll just start right off with with pick number three. We're, I mean, what what are we leaning towards? I mean, I, I like I said, we're we're hearing a little bit of everything. It's you know Stingley. It's Gardner. It's an edge guy. It's a you know, Aquano, who can start at guard and move to tackle. I mean, kind of, where are, you, where are your guys' heads at right now with the number three pick? All right, I'll start. Yes. So, I this is the sense I get. If the rumblings seem to be Derek Stingley, Aquano, like that's the latest I've kind of seen. And I've been reading, you know, King, McShay, Breer, obviously. A lot of people have indicated that they seem to love Derek Stingley, uh, who we've talked about before on, before on this space. And you know, if this was February, I would have said, boy, this is, that's a really terrifying proposition. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of, I guess, amenable to that idea. Um, I, I guess historically the offensive lineman would be the safer play. The thing that I'm just really not sure about is I, I, don't, I have zero clear sense of what the Texans plan is with their offensive line. And maybe other people have a better idea than I do, but it's really, it's really tough for me to evaluate, Hey, should they take Evan Neal or Aquanu? Like, I don't know who's going to be here long-term is Laramie Tunsil going to be here long-term because Albert Breer's written about that twice this week. Uh, what's the future of Titus Howard? Are they going to pick up the 50 year option on him? So it's hard for me to evaluate whether it makes sense to take a, a lineman like that, because I don't know what their plan is with those two guys. And I think you always have to have some kind of long-term plan with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it, I think the biggest question mark is Titus Howard. I mean, we see what happens when you put him at guard. He's not a very good guard. He's a much better tackle. And this this game of shifting him around and not having a clear, you know, now we're back to we're going to have the best five players on the field. You know, we have a bunch of good athletes there. We're, you know, Titus Howard saying today that he'll play wherever the team wants him to play, you know, singing that tune. But, I mean, if Howard is – if Howard's your tackle, then come out and say that, and he's your tackle. You're, yes. you're still not committing to the to the fifth round, but this whole – and I, I understand. It's, it's draft week. You don't want to give away your plans. You don't – you know, if they were to come out and say Howard's this, then maybe that – gives teams a little leeway of where they might be going with their number three overall pick. But it's, it's, it's just frustrating what they all the ambiguity. I can't ever say that word. Ambiguity. Yes. That word, you know, going 
it, it's just a lot of confusion, a lot of a lot of mayhem this week, and it goes along with all the smoke and mirrors that Casario and 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 the Texans are playing with the media. So I'm with you, Mike. I mean, it's 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 like what they do at three determines step B and step C of this process regarding Titus Howard and probably Laramie Tunsil. You know, if they go Equano, then maybe that's where your left guard is and Howard can play right tackle. Then Equano maybe moves to left tackle 2023. You know, I, I know we're getting, you're getting way ahead of ourselves there, but, but you, but, but Troy, but cap, you're not because I, you can't listen. I love Quentin Nelson. You can't take a guard at number three overall with this roster. To me, if they, 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 I'm okay with a philosophy of like, all right, you know, we can't predict the future. We're good with Laramie at left, Titus at right, but we love what Aquano can do. And based on the injury rate in football, this guy's going to be a tackle long-term. I could live with that, but I can't take a guard at third overall with this roster. I cannot do that. Thank you. Because I keep hearing the Quentin Nelson comparison and Quentin Nelson was taken because Andrew Luck was having to eat lunch out of a straw. Like that that was the that was the main goal there was we got to protect our quarterback. If they feel good about the medical of Derek Stingley, it shouldn't even be close. Like it, there shouldn't even be a question because Derek Stingley healthy is a way better player than Sauce Gardner. Like I I, I don't like if I know it was one year. I know that we're talking about a Liz Frank injury. There are examples of guys coming back from Liz Frank. You can go further back, and there are bad examples. But if they feel good about Derek Stingley health-wise, and I got to assume that if they're even entertaining the possibility of taking him at three, it's a no-brainer to me. You take Derek Stingley, and and that's I think it's I think it's really that simple. I'm with you on the guard, Mike. I know that it was New England, uh, and I know that Nick Casario didn't have the final say in you know personnel. But if you just look at the offensive linemen in New England, the one thing they've done really damn well, and you can you can dissect their wide receiver selection, you can dissect a lot of their first-round picks, but the one thing they did really well in New England was they found offensive linemen day two, day three. Uh, Matt Light was a second-round pick. Dan Coppin was a fifth-round pick. That's a nine-year starter. Uh, Nick Caxer, uh, he was a third-round pick. 62 games started in five years. Sebastian Bulmer, 80 starts. Uh, Marcus Cannon, that was a fifth-round pick. Cam Fleming was a fourth-round pick, started over 40 games. Shaq Mason, fourth-round pick, seven-year starter. Joe Tunney, uh, he was a third-round pick. He was one of the best guards in the league. Uh, they had uh, Karras, who was a six-year starter, uh, selected in the sixth. So, yeah, I know Tom Brady makes the offensive line better, but if we are going to go by what Nick has done, he's, been a, he's done a good job at finding offensive linemen you know, later on in the draft. And if Stingley's healthy, bring the guy in. Let's go. Like, let's get it. Let's, if he, if he's healthy, I have no other questions. All of a sudden I hear about tackling, dude, shut up about tackling with Derek Stingley. Like he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be on an Island. He might have to work his way back, but if you feel good about Derek Stingley's health, it's a no brainer. You pick Derek Stingley at three. I'm good on sauce. So it, I mean, would would you be upset if it was Gardner over Stingley at three? Or I mean, I don't know if upset. I don't. I I think if if let, let me just put it this maybe way. Maybe upset is the wrong word to say, but you you you're definitely ranking Stingley above Gardner at this point. Is Sting, if, if Stingley's healthy, yes. Okay. I don't think. I mean, don't don't 
Don't, do you see anyone in the world that, given the tape that you have to work with and given what you saw from Derek Stingley when he was on the field, like, have you heard anyone say anything negative about Derek Stingley outside of, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the Liz Frank injury? I haven't heard anything bad about character outside of like some LSU fans that were talking about quitting and stuff. As far as like scout puts in tape, scout watches tape, scout evaluates the competition, scout evaluates what, what Derek Stingley does. I, I don't see how sauce Gardner even compares to that. No, I would agree. I, it would seem like, I don't know if, if, if safe is the right word, you know, maybe Gardner, seems like have a pretty solid floor, but the ceiling with Stingley is well beyond Gardner at this point, let alone the competition difference between the two of who they play for, you know, and the competition they face. But I'm with you. I, I've, I, I was on Gardner to begin probably two weeks ago, but these past two weeks I've kind of turned over and I've feel pretty confident that if I had to power rank them, which will be in the newsletter tomorrow, that Stingley's, number one on the list right now it seems like going at number three yeah it seems like trade back is is not going to happen which is fine if stingley's the guy you can get a quality quality cornerback with a very high ceiling to be on your roster for the next five plus years and sign me up i'm on board let's go and that's based on health like if if you're telling me that there's health concerns then that's a wrap but the fact that they're entertaining the possibility of drafting him at three tells me they feel okay about the health. And there's some really good examples like Julio Jones, you know, coming back Jeffrey from Liz Simmons. Frank. Yeah, there, there's a lot of examples. There are some examples of guys falling off, but it seems like it was a longer time ago. I I like that. I like Stingley. If we're just if if health if they feel good about the health, then Stingley over Sauce is like I'm not even hesitating. Well, the big advantage—it's the Texans drafting Derek Stingley would be by far the uh, riskiest move of the Nick Casario regime, right? And, and that, in and of itself, kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it because they—I feel like they've been so risk averse in their contracts and what they've done, you know, in free agency—that uh, it kind of makes me like it. You're, you're drafting a guy who could be the best player in this draft, uh, and that's an important possibility to consider. Uh, I mean, I'm not as down—maybe that's the wrong word. I'm not necessarily where Landry is on Sauce Gardner. I mean, I, I really have no issue with the way Sauce played at Cincinnati. He seems like a high-level prospect. But well, I, Stingley- don't, I don't dislike Sauce, but if we're talking about Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner and we're just talking about when they're on the field and we're and there's no injury concerns, it's not yes. close. That's my point, Meltz. I'm not, I'm not knocking Sauce. I'm just saying if we're just talking about talent ceiling, it's not close. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who was a not only a five-star recruit, but somebody who stepped on the field at a very hard position to just play out of high school and was immediately an All-American. I, I'm not so much worried about the injury. I, I am kind of, I'd be kind of curious about what exactly happened in 2020. I know it's been a mess for LSU the last two years. Uh, th- there is something that is a little bit nerve-wracking for a team like the Texans picking a guy who has not played elite football in not one year, but two full seasons since 2019. That, that to me would be the fear on my end, less so than the injury. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. And I think, I think it, we're all on, on the same page here with it being Stingley would be the preferred pick out of this group. And, you know, going, moving on to that, I mean, and 
boy, Lonnie Johnson would be looking over his shoulder basically on who on who they signed and and if they drafted Stingley, he might even make it to the fifty three man roster at that rate. Nah, he'd be looking up the depth chart. He ain't looking over anything. He's yep. looking, he's <laughs> yeah. Up. yeah, yeah. So on that front, so you know, we said you know it's pretty clear that trade back it's probably not going to happen at three. So moving to thirteen. And before I get to that, I see we got two or three requests in. Just go ahead and get your request in. Hit that request button on the bottom left of your screen. Keep in mind, this is recorded, so we try to keep it remotely somewhat clean. And um, we'll get to the to the questions here in about 15 minutes or so. Just got some different points I want to get with uh, Mike and Landry on. But just hang tight. Get your request in. If you don't want to speak on the request, my DMs are open. You can send me a question that way as well. I've already gotten a few there as well, so we'll get to as many as we can tonight. And with that, we'll get back to the talking points. So number 13 seems a little bit little bit different. Um, it seems like there might be a chance of a move back there. You know, it, it, I would say Casario is very unpredictable and, and even a move up wouldn't shock me at this point if something if a player were to, that he really had his eye on was falling. But it it really seems like they're really open for business, not only at three but at thirteen. And that seems to be a really sweet spot, especially if, if none of the quarterbacks come off the board or Charles Cross or another one of the tack or one or two of the tackles kind of slides down a little bit outside of the type top ten. Kyle Hamilton slides down, things like that, and it really seems like that might be the sweet spot to move back. Any thoughts on that? Or y'all just sit there and just draft and go, don't care? Nah, I think it's I think it's a money spot for trading back for sure. Uh, whether it's Philadelphia, New Orleans, Kansas City, Green Bay, I could actually see them trading up before that. I, I do wonder. I wish I could see who the Texans like at wide receiver because I think there's probably going to be two or three off the board before. So I don't know if that's something that the Texans would do. And I also wonder what the boards are with the possibilities and whether they're going to trade up. But as far as like a trade-up possibility there, uh, I, I think that is a money spot. But if Kyle Hamilton does fall to 13, I think you got to pick him. Um, I agree. I, I think like if as much as it would be cool to add, you know, another draft pick or something like that, like – if if Kyle Hamilton if Kyle Hamilton falling to you at thirteen, to me could end up being like, uh, I don't want to I don't want to be too extreme, but it could be like Micah Parsons falling to the Cowboys in that same range, uh, or you know even CD Lamb with the Cowboys or Martin. Like sometimes you just got to not get cute and take the guy. And if Kyle Hamilton's there at thirteen, I I would just make the pick and then. You know, take it to the house, get you a cigar. Hell, maybe you can just, you know, get go get you a scotch or something. If you want to trade back into the back end of the first, do it. But if Hamilton's there at 13, make the damn pick. Yeah, I'm totally with him. That's the one that I'm monitoring because you look at the way the board stacks up. And, you know, I know mock drafts aren't really valuable. But I think once you get to this week and you start seeing the betting odds – which I think are based on some level of inside information. You start seeing some of these things line up, like Trevon Walker going one, Hutchinson going two, et cetera. You start to get a feel for maybe what happens on Thursday. And it does feel like, obviously, Hamilton has slipped relative to January, February. And you look at the teams picking 10, 11, 12. Like, 
I don't think the Jets are picking a safety, but then you've got Washington, you've got the Commanders, you've got Minnesota. Both of those teams could use defensive back help. But, like, man, if that guy falls to you at 13, I feel like accept the gift. I, you know, I know there are issues with the 40 time, but he's such a unique player. He seems to check all the boxes from a character standpoint. And I actually say that positively and not in some weird way here. That if Kyle Hamilton slipped to 13, I would just say, Take them, especially if you got Stingley at number three, and figure you have vastly upgraded your secondary moving forward. Yeah, and that, the the forty time, I don't. I mean, that is what it is. It you you can look at the tape and game speed is there. I mean, Hamilton, Agreed. he he's got the range, and I I think that's something that teams are probably going to look beyond and go back to the tape and see that the speed is there, the coverage is there, the range is there, and yes, he. I, I would be perfectly fine with going defensive back, defensive back. It's never been done before in the past 10 years based on <laughs> Michael, what are you doing? I am opening uh, a Tide Pod, not to eat, but just putting one in. I didn't know what's wrong noise. with you, man. Is that bad? I didn't know what makes so much noise. It is loud. I mean, right. Maybe put a mute on there, sir. That's a fair point. Fair. Um, but, but, you know, I, I would agree. And if Hamilton is not there, then it, it obviously <coughs> there's going to be the run on the wide receivers, but maybe one of the wide receivers is there. Seems like Jermaine Jones is is shooting up the boards as well at the edge rusher position. But if if the team wanted to trade back, it seems like some of the candidates might be Pittsburgh Steelers wanting to come up for a quarterback. Maybe the Saints wanting to come up for a tackle. Watch Philly. Watch Philly. Yeah, I was going to say Philly coming up for a wide receiver. And then somebody who – two teams who wanted to make big jumps would be Arizona potentially wanting to come up for a tackle. And then Kansas City wanting to come up for a wide receiver. And my, my, those two, those my, last two options would – would require a, a, a pretty sizable package to move up. And I, if the board falls right and Hamilton's not there and your wide receiver's not there, then that's where Casario could probably command a pretty pretty strong premium to come up to 13. And But like I said, it you've already you've already got two picks in the next in the first round the next two years. I mean at that at at some point you like Landry said you don't want to get too cute with this and and mess around and and mess your player if if he's there then just make the pick and go and Hamilton would be a fantastic pick at 13 but if he's not there wide receiver wouldn't hurt my feelings and edge would not hurt my feelings you know it, there's so many positions of needs there's almost nothing would really hurt my feelings at, at either pick for that for that point see the wide receiver is interesting cuz I almost wonder if drafting one at three would be the craziest thing. And I know it sounds wild, but I don't like it. I I understand. But if you do it and you really like somebody, there's going to be a run on wide receivers after that, most likely. So from three to 13, let's say after you take a receiver, there's all of a sudden some panic. Let's say four wide receivers go between three to 13. You're really only then, you know, seven or six spots away from getting the guy that you have because you're not going to take two wide receivers. So if you think Jamison Williams is like 
Tyreek Hill 2.0 or something like that, is it really the craziest thing to take him at three? That's That would be my question. Like, look at the receivers that went in the top ten last year, uh, Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase. And I know that Jamison's not going to be on the field immediately, or, or even if it's Wilson. Like, if you really love one of these receivers, I don't think it would be the craziest thing to take one at three and then let stuff fall into your lap at 13 because I think it would create almost like a wide receiver run where all these wide receiver teams, uh, these teams that need wideouts are all of a sudden what Atlanta, the Jets, like they're going to be so desperate for a wide receiver that you create the run. I'm just saying it wouldn't be the craziest thing. Yeah, I, I, I heard Landry uh, argue for this. I just, to me, if I'm picking a guy who is number three overall, if I'm thinking about a receiver, it's got to be like a complete blue chip guy. It's got to be Calvin Johnson. It's got to be Andre. Uh, it's got to be that level of player. I just, to me, if you can pick somebody like George Pickens at number 37 overall, like he ain't I mean, getting George, there, sir. He ain't getting well, listen, there, sir. I don't know. I don't know if he is either. But like some of those guys, whether it's that Christian Watson guy or Mechie, like there are good players you can take in the top of the second round, and while. I like a bunch of the receivers in the first. Like, I don't see a guy who's going to necessarily be a Hall of Famer to where I've got to take them at three. If, I, if I've got any viable options at, like, cornerback, edge rusher, offensive lineman, I, I just – I think that's a real – So now we're saying at wide receiver you have to draft a Hall of Famer? Is that the standard for everybody? At, at number three, I'm going to say yes. Is that crazy, Cap? I, I, if I'm taking a receiver at three, I want a Hall of Famer. I do. Jeez. That's pretty Is that crazy. crazy? It's pretty greedy. It's not crazy. I, I just, you know, it's it's just that's pretty high expectations, and I think you sure. can almost say that for any for any position at number three. I mean, you if you're going to be drafting that high up, I wouldn't say that at number one. I mean, damn, Mike. Well, yeah, I, I just we've seen that I, before I with Javino with Clowney. So I mean, I, I, I skill. I mean, with with the amount of skill players in this in the top 50 of this draft. I, I agree with Mike. I mean, three, oh man, that, that would, that would be tough, but I mean, you're, I, it's, it's a, I'm not, oppo- my, I'm not opposed my... to it, but it, it's, all right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If Jalen Waddle were in this draft, would you take him at three? No, no. Okay. All right. I, I, I think a lot of it is that receiver is, it, it is a premium position, but to me, it's not the same premium as I put as, quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher. And I just think for a team that – I told Landry this before, and this might be controversial. I, I view the Texans as having the worst roster in football. I would trade this roster for literally any of the other 31 teams. Like just to give you a sense of this, Atlanta's picking at number, uh, at number eight. They stink. They're going to be awful this year. Like Atlanta, look at their roster. They've got Kyle Pitts and they've got A.J. Terrell. Like, if you're – they're like two first-round picks ahead of where the Texans are, and they have a franchise left tackle. So given that background and context and my feeling on this roster, I, I just – I don't want to take a receiver at three overall when there's like a factory right. producing receivers every single year. See, I can agree with that. I don't like the term, and this is, this is, where, this is where I kind of like – we have like a disconnect, but we're talking it out. Like – I don't like the term premium position because I don't think there is a more premium position than receivers. But I just I agree with you that there is there, there, there seem to be more and more 
because of just how football is now. And even yes. next year, you know, whether it's in Jigma Smith, you know, all these other receivers, there's going to be more. But when you say it's not a premium position, I disagree there because I think it's 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 the premium position right now. There's just so many of them. I think it's a premium position, but if you're a team that's building the, the foundation of the house from like from you're you're building the foundation, it, it almost feels like a bit of a luxury to have like Brandon Cooks at you know twenty million a year plus a receiver with a third overall pick. It, it almost kind of feels. What's like, wrong with having luxury? It, it feels like here's what it feels like. It feels like we have a Lexus and our kitchen is in disrepair. That's well, what it feels like to me. Yeah, but that's this year, and I think I know, I know. You've I know. you've got to look beyond 2022, and if a luxury and the and the fit right and the fit is right, and the draft slot is right, and, the, and you're comfortable with the player, then I'm fine with the luxury. I mean, even if I understand you have a lot of roster needs to cover, and you're not going to cover them all in one draft in one year, but if if a player of that if is high enough on your board to justify taking them there, then you do it. Just it just doesn't align with what I think, but I, I understand Landry's points and they're perfectly valid. You know, and I, and I also just think, I also just think, you know, like it's also about having 13. Like I feel like you're creating a run on receivers. If you take three, so let's say they have a board and they have, so you're doing it guys. just to mess with the board. Well, I mean, I mean, when you have two picks, I do wonder if there's like a certain element of chess because if you get the top receiver on your board, then does Stingley fall to you at 13? Does Hamilton fall to you at 13? If four receivers go after that, like it, it seems like it could just it, you could shape things up to where maybe you're getting two of your top 11 instead of two of your top 16. Or two of, or two, or two of your top thirteen. Like maybe you're getting two of your top nine instead of two of your top thirteen. If you do the receiver thing, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I, I don't think it would be too crazy if they just love Jamison Williams and they think he's Tyreek Hill 2.0. Because I, I, I don't like this whole like, and I've heard Seth say it, and now I've heard Mike say it, but I don't like this whole like. Well, you know, you've got to build from the ground up and, you know, you don't want to draft a running back too early because what about when you're crappy for two years and then, you know, year three, like Jonathan Taylor's going into year three. You're telling me if the Texans have Jonathan Taylor for two years and then in year three, is there like, I, I don't, I don't get this. Whole, it's like you're afraid to have nice things because of where they are. And I just don't get it. The running, actually, the running back one is different. Yeah, I, and yeah, the uh, running back one. I'm actually, I'm on the same page as Landry on that. I, I, I'm fine with the running back I'm possibility. Not, I'm not. Well, you I guys want you, cap. You, I you, hate you. you. We can get into this later. I hate okay. you. Okay, come on. <laughs> so, I think we about covered that. So, are there any other positions that that would make sense for y'all at 13 if trade backs not an option, you know, Jordan Davis, the interior Jordan Davis. I was about to say Jordan Davis. I would be okay with, um, I think, you know, part of, part of there, there'll be some people who will say, well, he can't make an impact. Uh, you know, as much as some other guys, I don't care if you're giving me one of the best run stopping defensive linemen in the draft and Jordan Davis, uh, is widely regarded as that. Sign me up for that. I would also be open to a linebacker. If you can get the best linebacker in this draft, whether it's Lloyd, uh, whether it's Nicobe Dean, whoever you like, I would be open to at 13 drafting the best player at his position instead of going edge with a guy like Karloftis or something like that. So I'm open. I'm open to the 
to the D lineman and I'm open to the linebacker and I'm open to getting the best player at his position. Hell, I would be open with Linderbaum because I'm quite honestly tired of hearing Justin Britt go, Justin Bitt go up there and, uh, you know, preach, uh, <laughs> preach this culture and stuff like that while he's moonwalking like Michael Jackson on Sundays. So if, if they even wanted to go center, I'd be okay with that. I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty open to anything at number 13. Uh, my only concern with the linebackers is the the more rumblings that you see, I think there's a real chance that N'Kobe Dean is available uh, on Friday early. And I really like N'Kobe Dean, but there's like some injury questions, 40-time questions, which is dumb because that guy plays incredibly fast. But I think – You don't that, need a good me, 40 when you can see things – four seconds before yeah. anybody else and he can and i like i'd be fine with a lot of possibilities at 13 receiver uh, i'd be okay with jordan davis i might like i might need some convincing on that but then again like the, the texans have allowed the guts of their really good run defense to walk away the last couple of years and we've seen the fruits of that so the idea of even if there might be some more limited upside with jordan davis on third downs like we saw in 2015 16 17 18 the value of just like having some ass kickers be able to stop the run, and then you focus your efforts elsewhere on third downs. It seems like my, one of Mike's favorite players, George Karloftis, maybe falling down the boards. And I say that sarcastically. Yeah. I know I know Mike wasn't a big fan of his. Well, so. I'm just, I, I, was, I was originally scared the Texans were going were gonna to take somebody like that way too high. I'm actually – like. With a lot of these prospects, it, it, it depends on where they go and who they go to. It's not like I don't dislike them in a vacuum. It's more about what's the appropriate value for them, essentially. What do you mean a vacuum? What is that? I've never like, understood that line. What does that mean, sir? Like, here's, here's what I mean. Uh, you can sell me on Trevon Walker, but I think it's way riskier at number three than if somebody, if he, like, if, if Trevon Walker were taken like five, six, or seven. You could sell it to me a lot easier than number one overall. That's what I mean. Here's how, here's how I looked at it. And I, I, want, I actually want to bring this one to the forefront. Like, if Nick Casario had the first pick in this draft, and let's say he was taking Trevon Walker over Hutchinson, Thibodeau, anyone else, if he was doing that, I wouldn't flip a gasket. But I think people would be pretty pissed off because the Texans don't necessarily have the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it would be the right pick. So as someone who wants the Texans to do well, when I see Jacksonville doing that, you might charge it to the game, and they might have gotten Alden Smith minus the alcohol problem and the, and the overall psychotic behavior. But I would just charge it to the game and say, okay. But the fact they're picking Travon Walker, I would almost send a limo to the airport to pick him up uh, because I'm, I'm okay with that. That, that. The idea of him being in the division scares me a lot less than Aiden Hutchinson. I, I agree with you, and uh, you know there have been a couple of people I've talked to in Jacksonville who've tried to sell me on it. And you know Walker is a guy who, who combines elite traits with seemingly a really good work ethic and a good guy, which typically bodes well. I just think going back to the premium position thing, like you're drafting a guy kind of on spec, and so is he going to become Justin Smith? Is he going to become you know, Michael Bennett, somebody like that. But that's projection. Like, you can look at Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and look at what they do off the edge. I agree with Landry's inclination that I feel like the rest of the division, if they look at the Jaguars taking Trevon Walker, I think they breathe more a sigh of relief. I do. So I've got a question here about this one. I haven't really figured out. Zion Johnson. I haven't yes. really figured out where he's slotting in on the board. 
if he he's more go, of a late one. Thirteen seems higher. a little high for him, huh? He could go higher than you think. I mean, there there are a lot of people who really like him as a guard. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the middle of the first round. People like that guy. Hmm. I don't even know what kind of scheme he would fit in if he's even a a match for for the power scheme that that Pep Hamilton wants to run here. I don't. I haven't really looked at his eye on that hard to see if he's more of a power guy or zone zone offense. Offensive line kind of guy. I'm not entirely sure of that. So that's poor effort on my part. I think he's a. I think he's a BK pick. A BK pick. I'm. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to figure that out. Buzzkill. <laughs> uh, yeah, Why? That puts thing. me to. If they go him, at, he could end up being a good player. But that that kind of puts me to sleep. I, I I don't know if I. I, I might call it a night after that. Go <laughs> leave the party and go take a nap. Let's break down Zion Johnson. I'd be okay with that if the, if the guy is really good. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be I'll be okay with it after draft night. But as far as uh, my high, yeah, that's going to kill it. So what about? I think one of the Chris Burke, the Detroit beat writer, floated the idea of of Houston trading up to thirty two from thirty seven and giving up one of their fourth round picks. I think one hundred eight to make the move up and a lot of people putting a lot of emphasis on the value of the fifth year option by moving with the fifth into the first, uh, first round. I am personally is not a big to me. I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on the fifth year option, especially with the way it's designed these days with it becoming fully guaranteed at the time of the activation versus injury only like it was before. And that the numbers can come in just as high as a franchise tag. And, so to me, it it doesn't have as much value today in this CBA as it did the previous CBA. So is there any particular players that if they just kept falling down the board down to 32 that would interest you in making the jump up from 37 to 32? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. I'm gonna think about that while we're talking. Um, I, I I agree with you, Cap. I, I don't think the fifth year option is nearly as enticing as it used to be because of the fact that it's now fully guaranteed. I mean, I'm looking at some of these names. Like, it really depends on obviously the positions that they have that they have selected um, with the, their first two picks. Because to me, it's like, you know. If they didn't take a cornerback and they love, like, let's say, Booth out of Clemson or Elam out of Florida, and they wanted to make sure they got their guy a corner if they didn't take one earlier, I'd be like, okay, I think that I think that's something that makes sense. Uh, so it, it just really depends on the first two picks, the position, and, and who's available. I would say Green out of A&M. I like him. Uh, if you don't get your offensive lineman, I'm a big fan of Green. I think he's going to be a starter in the NFL for a while. Uh, local kid too, Atascacita. I think Mark Berman would be uh, posting a tent in his parking lot like the second that he got picked to interview his parents. Uh, I would say Elam out of Florida is an intriguing guy uh, if you don't get the corner. Um, I don't know if he's going to be there, but Elam would be interesting because uh, just put in the Alabama tape if you want to be impressed. There are times where he looks bored, but put in the Alabama tape. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I think Dame Brugler said as much. Uh, Elam, if you don't get your safety, another guy who was in town last week who I like, and if you watch the national championship, uh, you probably like as well, 
seeing the safety out of Georgia. Um, if you don't get Kyle Hamilton, I think they like him. So keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, I like my running backs. So if you wanted to trade up and get the best running back, I would not be opposed to that. But I would say Green, Elam, Seen. I think all these guys visited. And then Brees Hall, if you want to just go get your, your running back uh, and, and trade some assets to do that. Mm. Mm. I just can't get on board with the, the running back thing. I'm just not at that point. I think that's a – You just don't want to win. It's okay. You I, don't want to be a winner. I just – I just think you can – I think you can get a running back. Go ahead, Mike. Here's my issue, Cap. What did we do in a, in a past life that has subjected us to the torture of watching this running game? I, I just want to watch somebody interesting Thank that's you. not like a five-year veteran run the football. That's all Thank I you. want. And I want five. Five. I, I want to I stop turning on other games and seeing like, hey, there's a random like 22-year-old who was like undrafted going off for like 100 yards. Like what, what did we do that subjects us to this lousy running Bro. game with all these veterans every year. Bro, the over-under when you watch another football game is honestly two and a half, uh, a team that has more better running backs than the Texans. It's always two and a half. They have yes. at least two, and more times than not, they have three running backs that are better than the Texans, and their third stringer would start here. And that and that's fine. Those are, I mean, if... Fine! <laughs> no, that's I'm okay. saying, no, I mean, what, let me... They are so literal. So... <laughs> What I'm trying to say is, is you, you mentioned undrafted late round draft picks. That's what I'm fine with, but to me, I just don't see the point. And what's what's that based on, though? Don't don't you think that's dated? Like there are specifics, but like go around the NFL. Like second round is the money spot, man. Like Derrick Henry, second round. Jonathan Taylor, second round. I know James Robinson was undrafted, but they also drafted Etienne, Dalvin Cook, second round. Cam Akers with the Rams. Second round, like all these guys, like AJ Dillon. Second round, they they feel like he might uh, push uh, Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Like this whole like notion of like you can find guys in the second round. It, it's almost like Mike Shanahan, like we're with Mike Shanahan philosophy of the nineties. Like it's the, the the second round is when you get these guys. They're studs because they aren't valued in the first, so you can steal these guys that are immediately in their prime. They're ready to contribute. They're ready to roll. They're ready to go. And you can just you, you can you can get these guys and they can make immediate impacts. So if they can make immediate impacts, then why not wait to draft one when the team is in a better spot to compete? Is my point. So is he going to die? Like, do these guys do these guys just get taken to a pasture and turned into glue and beef <laughs> or something like that? Like, I don't understand. Like Seth said that too. Like, are we saying that about everything? Like, yeah. So. If you use the guy for two years, if Brees Hall's used for two years and he's going into year three, like, is he all of a sudden going to, like, are they going to take him out to, like, the middle of nowhere and dump him in a river? Like, what, what, what are we, what, what does that even mean? Like, Jonathan, well, no, what, the, would three. you rather have four years of him on a competitive team versus one and a half years of him on a competitive team? I would be drafting running backs every year. Cause they're immediately ready to go. Like I would, I would be drafting running backs every single year, no matter what. Like I, I and don't know why. I, drafting running backs is fine every year. I'm just saying to this year, don't draft one in the second round. Why? I just you told got, you why. Because because you're afraid he's going to be good and not ready. Like is he going to die? No, I'm not saying he's going to be good. I'm saying that there are other positions of need that take longer to develop that you draft now 
If running back can be an immediate impact type player, then you wait till 2023 or 20, you know, 2023 or whatever to draft your guy early in the draft. If he can be an immediate impact player when this roster is in a better position to compete. But what if they think Brees Hall is just awesome? Like, what if Brees Hall is like top twenty on the board or something like that? You just say, ah, nah, you know, we'll we'll wait till two years and keep our fingers crossed about this guy. You, they have cap. They're one of their biggest needs is running back. Like we we can't we can't assume that they're going to put together like an like. I keep hearing like, well, the offensive line, you know, the offensive line. You can't run the ball without the offensive line. In the 90s, you know what happened when Emmett Smith missed the first two games of the season behind that historic offensive line? They lost two games. Like, the running back can make the running game better, too. I don't know when we all of a sudden act, talk about improving the run game and let's draft Icky Aquanu and let's draft Evan Neal and Cross and Green, and we just don't want running backs. Running backs can make Davis Mills better. Running backs can make the O-line better. We, For some reason, we don't value running backs, and we're, like, afraid to draft guys that are going to be good because the Texans aren't good. Like, get get the guy that can make the most impact. There's no shame in making your team better this year. Like, you don't have to try to be bad. Like, if, if you win seven games and you're not winning one, you're not getting the first, that's fine. Just be good. Take the running back position serious. Quit giving me Rex Burkhead, the ghost of Marlon Mack, uh, Royce <laughs> Freeman, Philip Lindsay. Like, give me someone who's a beast because everybody else has them. So let's let's quit being afraid of being great and get and getting entertained. And if in two years you don't like this guy, let's add another one. The Patriots did it. Patriots had a good run game. You know who they drafted in the first round? Sony Michelle. Now I know they were in a different situation, but you can draft much different position. And he's not even on their roster. But he was when they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. <sighs> it doesn't matter. We don't need to worry about two years. Like we don't need to worry about two years from now. Get some ballers. I mean, it is legitimately amazing how much, like, is the gap between the Texans at running back and everybody else, like, the biggest gap in football? Because it certainly feels that way, to Landry's earlier points. Yes. I, I, yes, Rex Burkhead's never been the best running back on a team ever. The dude, the dude, the dude, the last time the guy was the best running back on his team was at Nebraska. Even when he was doing his thing with the Patriots, he was, what, the third best back on the team? And yeah. he comes here last year after an injury and he's the best running back. And we're okay with that. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I definitely get the idea that at the moment, barring any trades, the Texans have really three premium picks, like in the top 40, where there's like an over 50% chance to land a contributor. And you want to feel like you want to add guys at different positions but it's just i think landry and i's point is that like there is there has been a real frustration at watching the guys that they've thrown out there at running back the last couple of years and that's perfectly understandable and i get that and i get landry's point i just disagree with it and that's perfectly fine perfectly acceptable cap hates running backs yes <laughs> and love how landry goes from zero to 100 on my on my I point like and that's and you know if they draft running back, great, go for it, man. I'm all for it. I just disagree with it. So we've only got like well, we had seven requests. Look like a couple of folks dropped off. One other one other spot. I know this is a little bit later in the draft, not for day one or day two, but uh, tight end. They obviously have still have a need at tight end. Landry, I yep. think you're big on. Uh, is it still Ruckert? Is that still your Ruckert. guy? Ruckert out of Ohio State. Yes, sir. Where's he where's he going? Third round, fourth round? 
I think someone's going to take him in the third. Uh, I've seen him projected to the fourth, but I, I, I'm sure some people might think that he's the best tight end in this draft. I could see the Texans liking him. They visited with him. Uh, he's a big guy. He can catch the ball. Uh, he just didn't really have very many opportunity, very many opportunities at Ohio State. Uh, got a little nicked up at the Senior Bowl, but was looking okay. Uh, I, I like Ruckert in the third. Uh, I think that's probably where he's going to go. The guy who I think might be the best is McBride from Colorado State. Uh, I like Rucker too. He's a good blocker. He's not super dynamic, but he will catch it. Uh, I also think the guy from UCLA, Greg Dulcich, uh, from what I could tell, I thought he was pretty good in Chip Kelly's offense. So it's not, it's not a great uh, tight end trap by any means, but I do think there are some possible players in like the third, fourth round area. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder if that was part of the positioning that Casario was mentioning with them after the making the move up to the fifth round. Not specifically just to target one position, you know, for an example, like tight end, but, you know, it just gives him a little more position, a little more capital to maybe move around or look at a, posi- a specific position such as tight end. You know, I think I was looking at more like Kate Otten. Maybe he might fall down to fifth round. He's more of a blocker than a wide receiver, but you know we know Brevin Jordan's going to be the move tight end, so we kind of the team might need more of an inline kind of a tight end potentially. We'll see. I mean, they re-signed Auclair. I don't know how exciting that gets anybody, but you know I think that that those are some good names to look for. That was kind of one to get y'all's take on that. Well, so we'll jump over to some questions here because we got a lot of them. Got a lot of DMs as well, so this will definitely uh, run over past my bedtime, which is perfectly fine. Yes, I'm in, I'm in a good mood, despite Landry nah, saying you're this. mad at you're mad at me about the running backs. I'm just trying to talk some sense into you. Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and once again, I'm I apologize. Twitter does not order put the request in order they came in. So if you waited long time beyond somebody else, I apologize. We'll go with Ryan Johnston to start with, and then uh, Royal Texan fan after that. So a reminder, this is being recorded. So I got your question. Ryan, what you got, buddy? All right. Hey, uh, first of all, thanks for having us. Um, but uh, f- first thing, I'll, I'll agree with the running back. I mean, you got to understand that that guy's on the field for how many offensive snaps. Right, you you, you got to have a guy you can depend on. Um, the other thing I'll say is that uh, I guess in, what I've noticed from Nick Casario talking is I think he gets that he has flexibility because um, he's got future draft picks, right? And so, you know, I feel like he is a logical thinker enough, not emotional, where if he sees a guy that can impact the team. It may not be from the inside out, but if it's a special guy, I think that he understands that he can make that up, you know, in future picks or whatever. So, you know, I agree with, I guess, Landry talking earlier about if you think a wide receiver is Tyreek Hill, you take him, right? Um, So, the but the main thing I really wanted to say was, Nobody in in my friend group, nobody believes it's going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. 
But what if Hutchison is there at three? Take him. Take so 30 that, seconds and run the card up. It, okay, that's what all my friends say, and that's what I say too, but nobody's talking about that because nobody thinks he's going to be there. But I'm saying how does that affect our draft if he's there? I mean, I, I would just say you you would you know count your blessings basically. Premium position, put him opposite John Grenard. Uh, he starts week one, and then you address the other positions. And so, you know, if, if that were to happen, then do do they if they really value corner, would they consider moving up from thirteen to get Stingley or Sauce, depending on where they go? Um, but yeah, I, I think in that unlikely hypothetical, I I think they would take Hutchinson immediately. I mean, I think I think that's the right pick too, but uh, nobody's talking about that, right? Cause yeah, I don't, and nobody's talking about it because it's probably not going to happen. We had Jeff Risden on, who covers the Lions, a couple weeks ago, and he was adamant that if, if for some reason Jacksonville takes Travon Walker or somebody else other than Hutchison, that Detroit he would not get past Detroit. So that's probably why nobody's talking about it. And and I agree with Mike. I mean, if, if for some reason he did make it a three, then it's a pretty easy decision. You, you make the move and you go, and then you adjust your board accordingly. And, and there's plenty of options at 13. There's going to be plenty of options at 37. There's going to be plenty of options in 2023. So if that weird situation were to happen, yeah, you, you, you take it and you run. So yeah. I, I, I do disagree with Mike on like, you know, you ter- immediately turn in the card. Uh, I, I think you got a few phone calls to make before you do that. First, you call Malik Collins and you tell him, hey, you're not rocking 97 anymore. Uh, hang up the phone on him. Uh, then you call whoever's in charge of billboards. You immediately put Hutchinson on the billboards, as many as you can, uh, on the loop. Uh, and then you call the, the team shop uh, and you make sure those jerseys are stocked for the next morning. Uh, and then you can call the pick in. So I think you got a few phone you calls. Wouldn't entertain, you, get it done. you wouldn't even entertain. I would imagine there's going to be another team calling you wanting to move up to three if Hutchison fell uh, down. Nah, I call the billboard, call the team shop, and then call you just, Malik Collins. You send everything to voice. You send it all to voicemail at that point, huh? So yeah, not even answer. Ignore bump. Yeah. All right, Ryan, I appreciate so, it, sir. So one, one, one more thing, if I can. Okay. Um, all right. So, so Nick, Nick said earlier. I, I don't know when he spoke last, but he talked about uh, um, you know making the best decision possible and 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 minimizing risk, right? But when he's got, you know, six future first round picks, do, do you agree with Landry's point though, that he's got the flexibility to maybe take a risk on maybe if you value Derek Stingley as a risk, right? Because he's got so many picks coming forth. It doesn't matter how you acquire him, uh, right? The question is, is are they, are they going to be his picks if he takes too much of a risk and makes a bad decision? I'm not saying that he would be let go after one more year, but I mean, I think at this point, I, I think Nick is probably willing to step out on limit a little bit, but I don't think he's willing to just go all crazy with it. I don't think it's a loose cannon by any means. I'm just saying calculated, right? Yeah. But no, I I mean, it's a fair point that he's, he's got, he's got some backup ammunition to, to go if he misses this year, but man, it, you just, you, you can't miss with three. It's a it's a tough hit if you miss with that pick. So, all right, all right. Appreciate it, Ryan. This is what was firing me up that like you can only find offensive linemen early, but uh, you know anything else you can you can find late. That that's that's what confuses me the most. 
All right. Yeah, I mean, I think – listen, uh, uh, okay, yes. People have been frustrated with the offensive line. I mean, theoretically, you could say, all right, let's just, you know, invest – Let's bring assign two offensive linemen a year, draft offensive linemen with the first three rounds every single year. But like that, that is not some guaranteed formula for success because it's a mix of the talent, the scheme, the coaching. And like I have no fundamental issue with taking uh, Ikki Aquanu at number three overall. My concern based on this regime is sort of the opposite of what C. Royal was saying, which is like, I'm worried that they'll draft a Quanu and they'll still be 32nd in DVOA. So I don't look at their offensive line problems and say, all they have to do is just keep investing a ton into it. No, for me, it's like, you need to develop a cohesive plan. Who's your left tackle moving forward? Who is your right tackle? Are you going to continue with this nonsense of like, hey, we're going to throw out the, the, the best five-man combination? Or is there going to be like what Gary Kubiak had 10 years ago, where there's a clear philosophy, there's a clear preference in the kind of guys he brings in, it's taught well, it's schemed well, and it's executed well. That That is my big thing. All right, so we got a lot of people who still got their request in, so just I'm going to kindly ask, Go ahead and get your question in so that we can discuss it because there's a lot of people waiting to get in. So we can uh, try to that do was that so going kind. forward. That was so, so kind of you, Cap. Yes, I try. <laughs> Justin King. What's going All on? Right. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, Landry. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Hello. Um, Hello. I'm going to come to Cap's defense a little bit real quick before I get into my questions. Uh, I think his hesitation on the running back position is the whole uh, Braxton Miller effect on Texans fans. Like, go get badass dudes, and then we draft Braxton Miller, and it was just a disaster. So I think that's kind of weighing on Cap's mind uh, when it comes to going running back too early. Um, I'm sitting over here doing mock drafts as we speak, took about 20 tries for Aiden Hutchinson to fall to me. So I've kind of accepted that it's not going to happen. So this is where I'm at. I'm at Jordan Davis or the best wide receiver at 13. So then where do you go at three? I'm not entirely sold on cornerback at three. I think it's really risky and um, I need to be sold a little bit more on that. So I'm at an offensive lineman at three as well. Just get that position group better. Okay. And then y'all were talking about trading in to get players around 32. I think uh, Traylon Burke, wide receiver Arkansas, is somebody to look at. Go get your badass offensive weapon at 32 if you're going to trade in. And, uh, no way he's there at 32. Okay, well, some badass weapon at 32. That's where you trade in and get I'll buy if you, you don't. a couple beers if he is. I'll buy you a couple beers. <laughs> Tell me where you'll be, man. I'll anyway. meet you. I'll meet you. Tell me where you'll be. I'll meet you up. I got I'll you. Yeah. All right. All right. That's those are my. That's all I had. I'll I'll hop off and all listen. Right. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, I mean Jordan Davis at thirteen is an intriguing possibility. At, at this point, I am, I'm almost hoping that they draft Brees Hall in the second and then James Cook in the third, just just so Cap has to suffer the consequences of his running back hate. <laughs> I do like James Cook. He's a hell of a I love James Cook. Though. James Cook's going to be in the league for a long time. Someone's going to – he will go day two, and yeah. he Maybe will make three. the team better. I agree. I'm, 
Hey, if it's a third rounder, I can, I can sort of live with yeah, that. I, I will say, in Cap's defense, he I, I think Cap is fine with a running back third rounder later. Yeah. It, okay. I don't know why arbitrarily I've decided that you can't draft a running back in the second round, but that's just where I'm at tonight, and it's hey, just the way it backs. is. You hate running backs. You I hate d- Earl Campbell. You hate yep. Emmett Smith. You hate... All right, let's see here. We'll go to (laughs) Unexpected Truth, and then we'll go to Vera after that. Unexpected Truth, go ahead. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good evening. Uh, Where I'm at with this whole draft process is this right here. I believe, you know, there's certain people that you have to come out with or certain positions, and I believe that the number one player that the team has to come out with is – Jameson Williams. The reason I say that is I'm not on a Davis Mills train, right? I think he's just a placeholder for 2023 when Bryce Young comes or when C.J. Stroud comes. I believe it would be Bryce Young. I say that because if you look across the league, the number one thing, which has always been true, is cohesiveness. Your QB always had the number one. If you look at this past offseason – the Raiders go out and get Devonta Adams for Derek Carr. <clears throat> Brady always had Gronk, you know. Manning always had Harrison, things like that. So, I feel like you setting your team up. One, Williamson is a impact player, and two, you setting yourself up. When Bryce Young comes, he's comfortable. He has somebody he already knows to help him ease into his NFL uh, journey. So. I feel like, what do you guys think about cohesiveness and how to strategize your draft plan according to players that are coming out and players coming out in the future? And it's not like, I feel like it's un, unfeasible for Bryce Young to come. You have two first-round picks next year. He's probably going to come out. So this this team this year is going to win five, six games. So you're going to be right back at the top of the draft again. So why would you not, you know, position yourself to get Bryce Young and already have his number one weapon. And as far as like running backs, Brian Robinson Jr., fourth round, you're good. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, the 2023 discussion on quarterback is is fascinating, but I think I'm willing I, – I understand the chance that Mills could be something is very is very low percentage, but I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to – willing to talk about it and look at it this year and then talk about the ne- next guy, the next quarterback next year. I mean, you're you're not drafting a quarterback this year. You're not taking away drafting any of his potential weapons, whether it's for Mills or for a quarterback in 2023. So I think we just had to sit and wait and see what happens. And if the team starts off bad oh, and, and Mills is not the guy and just never shows up again, then yeah, I mean, you're, you're, if you end up winning three, four or five games, then you'll have the draft capital more unlikely to, to try to move up and, and get the guy next ter- next year. But until that point, you know, you 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 continue to build the roster, build it around Mills, like you talked about, build that ho- cohesiveness among the staff, among the players that you bring in, and just try to make the roster better whichever way you can. I, I don't necessarily – like if, if Jamison Williams is a badass, I, I don't consider that a quarterback this year or next. I don't think that's really a separate thing. Like if – if, if 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 you're getting a baller, you're getting a baller, whether it's for Mills or whether it's for the next guy. So uh, I'm 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 not 
I don't even consider that to be a chess move if Williams is a guy. If he's good with Young, he'll probably be good with Mills. So, although, you know, who knows how long it takes him to get. But, you know, are we sure Bryce Young is better than C.J. Stroud? I don't know. I mean, I, I think so. Uh, but we still got know, a year to wait and find out. I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the let's tank and let's suck for young, no, no. uh, mindset, uh, as of right now, could that change three weeks into the season? If we see this team go out there and just get their ass kicked three times, maybe. But as I sit right now, I just want them to dev- put the, the most talented roster they possibly can win as many games as they can. And then if it shapes up, it shapes up like, you know, for all that talk about Miami wanted to tank, Miami wanted to tank, Miami wanted to tank. If they take Justin Herbert, it wouldn't have mattered whether they tanked or not. They, they made the wrong pick at, at quarterback. So I'm not in the business of yet, you know, let's tank and let's, 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 you know, lose as many games as possible for young. Maybe I'll get there, but I'm just not there yet. All right. Unexpected truth. I appreciate it. We'll go to Vera and then we'll go. Who's been in here waiting the longest? Probably uh, Quincy, you after that. So. Vera, I better not hear your whole mock draft, man. I don't need your seven rounder, sir. No, we just need <laughs> Vera to get his question. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, for a Lovey Smith defense, which is predicated on good pass rush with able, above average uh, defensive backs, um, don't you think, I mean, whereas the, the Bill Belichick New England philosophy has been to get press corners. Um, I know you've spoken stingly, and I completely agree. He might be one of the most talented players um, in this draft class. Um, isn't there any pressure necessarily on the Texans to go and find the best pass rusher? Assuming Walker and Hutchinson are gone, you may be overdrafting somebody like a Jermaine Johnson a little earlier than you would have wanted. But if he's the best pass rusher available, wouldn't you want to go? Or is it just, let's just go pick the best player available? Um, and while I've, I'll ask that question, I wanted to throw a couple of names. Since you were talking about Titans earlier, Kay Dorton and Jeremy Ruckert, a couple of other names to think about in the rounds four and five would be Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin, Charlie Kohler, Iowa State, and Jelani Woods from Virginia. So, thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, I think those are fair names. I mean... Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure different defensive coaches have different philosophies. I, I know Robert Sala with the Jets is somebody who, and with the 49ers, they were like this. The, their philosophy was it, it is so hard to, like, cover your way to success defensively. So they wanted to load up on the front seven, load up on the edge, and hit the quarterback. Uh, but it, it also really depends on your evaluation of the prospects. Like, we started this, uh, this episode talking about Stingley and Sauce Gardner. Uh, Jermaine Johnson seems like a pretty good prospect, but three seems rich. And it comes down to, like, where these guys stack up on your board. Um, even if you believe just it is sort of in a vacuum in theory that it's more important to have an edge rusher than a cornerback. But if Derek Stingley is, like, a is ranked just higher than Jermaine Johnson, then I would take the corner because it's almost an equally premium position. And then you take edge rusher at some point down the road, whether it's with the second pick or the top of the second round, or honestly, even next year, because it's realistically, you know, a multi-year rebuild here. Yeah, I don't really have much to to add that. I mean, did I kill everything? (laughs) No, it's, it's been interesting that, you know, I, two months ago, I, I thought it was all pass rush that, 
Lovey was all pass rush. We needed a pass rush. And you need your front four guys to create all the pressure you can get. And then the pressure will t- will help alleviate some of the co- coverage issues. And then here we go. Three weeks ago, Lovey comes right out without even being asked about it. We need a cornerback. And I don't think Stevie Nelson was the, the signing that he had in mind with that. And that just threw everybody for a loop. And, you know, I think I, I truly do think that it's Lovey's camp that's pushing the Derek Steenley narrative hard internally. I'm not entirely, I can't really figure out where Nick Casario wants to go, but with the number one, number three pick, but I really do think that Lovey and his staff really do want to want a, a, a cornerback that can shut down half the field and continue building up the pass rush beyond that. So you, the, the pass rush versus coverage debate is been going on for years and will continue to go on. And I don't think, I don't think one is independent of the other. I think they work together and you just have to find the right system and the right players that work together to, to have a good overall defense. I mean, you, I don't think you can just say I've got two, you know, a shutdown cornerback and can take away half the field and a decent cornerback on the other side. So therefore they'll cover long enough for my pass rushers to get to the quarterback offensive systems nowadays can build around that. So I think you just need a, a good combination of both at this point. Yeah. Just give me Stingley. If there's no injury concerns, I'll, I'll just simplify it and say that G- yeah. give me Stingley. If there's no injury concerns, end of story, bada bing, bada boom. All right. So we'll go Quincy next and then we'll go to, we'll go to um, Toro brothers after that. Q. Quincy, what you got, man? What's your question? What's up, y'all? Um, I had two questions real quick. Um, first one was, um, I know a lot of people have said, like, um, if you have the patience, you can draft somebody like Jameson Williams and kind of, like, I guess have the patience for him to rehab and things like that. Um, since the Texans are not necessarily in a position to win, you know, immediately right now, would you have that same philosophy for somebody like Ojabo, you know, out of Michigan where he got hurt, maybe draft him, kind of like wait it out, wait for him to rehab and come back? That was my first question. Um, and my second question real quick was, is there any like past history of somebody like that has like kind of like the college makeup of Stingley where they just bought out crazy like the freshman year and kind of like tailed off afterwards, but still got drafted really high and like actually su- succeeded? I was trying to think about that. I couldn't really think of any off the top of my head. So that's, that's a really how, good that's question. How, that's how you do it. Get in and get the I'm questions gonna, in. So uh, what was Ojabo's injury? Uh, torn Achilles. So that's a little more concerning. The ACL Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, is, that's the big is, thing. It's, yeah. ACL's a stub toe. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that, at this point, ACLs have just become just a six-month delay on anything, and I'm not too terribly worried about it. The Achilles, we've seen – some players make it back. Some players never make it back. And that's, that's a really tough call. That's one of those ones where you just have to really lean on your medical staff to make a, make an informed decision. If that's something you're willing to go with, the team is, is in a position to, to take it, you know, take and wait and something like that. If their if their medicals come back clear enough for it. And I'm certainly not opposed to it. It's just a man, that's a tough call. And I'll, I'll have to lean on Mike and uh, Landry for the, the second question. Yeah, I'm doing some I'm doing some research on as far as Ajabo. I think that that would be I think Ajabo is probably with the injury probably a borderline first round pick. 
Uh, I think he could easily slip to Friday. And so that that to me is like if they trade, like let's say they trade it out with Kansas City, uh, bottom of the first round, maybe you think about it, uh, maybe top of the second round. I mean, I will say like, you know, Ajabo, he's a hell of an athlete. Like he, he is a better raw athlete than Aiden Hutchinson is as far as like his overall speed, kind of quickness off the edge. But it just really comes down to like, what because that that's a that's a more serious injury. I know that guys are coming off of it better now, thankfully. Um, so that that's the scary part to me about it. Landry, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, my, I'll let, I'll take a backseat to Mike on the Michigan guys. As far as a guy having one good year uh, and then falling off, um, I, I can't really think of any. I mean, that's that's a that's a really excellent question. Um, Leonard Fournette. Has- uh-oh. I don't know, uh, you know, someone like Stingley that, you know, had one good year and then balled out. So I do think that's interesting. Um, maybe Jamar Chase. Um, does I mean, although it wasn't an injury, uh, I don't know how Jamar did his first year. I, I doubt he was too bad, but he did that was opt only out. A year. Yeah, he opted yeah. out. Michael Parsons opted out. So, I mean, I've seen, you've seen some guys opt out, but as far as just one good year and then, you know, nothing after that really, I, I can't really think. That's a good question. All right. We'll go over to Toro Brothers, and then we'll go to uh, Trust Thy Plan after that. Still says connecting. Connecting. All right. Toro Brothers, what you got, man? What's up, fellas? Uh, just wanted to, you know, get your guys' thoughts on, you know, wh- how the organization recovers from its image, you know, with everything that was out with the Deshaun Watson and, you know, really picking a player that, that helps us, you know, create our, our image around, you know, kind of like the J.J. Watt guy that we had. Do you think there's a player out there that we can build or our brand essentially off of? Well, I think at, at the end of the day, I mean, each player can contribute to it, but the team just needs to start winning, and I think winning cures all, and we'll get past the 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 previous two or three year image of how the organization was run. I think just winning will solve all. But if there is any specific players under that type of thought process, then you're you're looking more like skill players and more immediate impact players, and not the not the tackles, not the interior defensive line. It's the guys who are edge rushers, wide receivers, even running backs. That's the top of players you would probably be looking to draft if that's what you're looking to achieve from it. All right, cool, cool. Well, th- thanks for the insight. Uh, we're going to be heading out there tomorrow, so we're really excited. And, um, you know, hopefully we can we can do good as a organization. I think Nick Nick will put something good together. There we go. Landry, y'all, are you going out there on Thursday? I'm going to the party. Come by, say hi. Let's get it. Oh, I'm, lucky you. I got to be with the people. I got to be with the people. Who's all going to be out there? I don't even, I hadn't even. Me, Figgy, uh, Sean. We'll be out there, dude, chilling. Outdoors. I love the outdoors. It's going to be nice. That Mike, are like you going? Fun. Uh, Hold on. I, I, will not, I will not be going. Uh, wow. It, it's, actually, uh, <laughs> I was invited, but I honestly, I want to, I just want to be home watching the whole draft is how That's I feel cool. about it. Well, That's understandable, Mike. Yeah. 
That that's that's my legitimate justification for it. I just got to be with the folks, dude. We yeah, that makes been, sense. We, we've yeah. had to be apart for a long time. Got to be got to be with loopholes, listeners, all that stuff. Got to be with the people. That, that's fair. All right, trust that plan. What you got tonight, sir? Cap, Landry, Mike, how we doing? What's up, man? Shoot, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about these 48 hours left, man. <laughs> hey, so quick things. You guys were talking about how the Eagles and Saints were are possible trade partners, right? That could jump in. Mm-hmm. I was, yep. I did a little mock draft, and I actually saw that the Vikings they're looking for pass rushers. What if they jump back in, and if the top pass rushers were gone, and they jumped in and got like a Jeremiah Johnson with Carolina Panthers, right? Because Carolina Panthers need more draft picks. And that's one thing I was looking at. And another thing, you know, what Royal wanted based on, there's talking about online and all that. I get the online situation and all that, but there's things. First off, we have new coaching staff. So that's one of the big keys that you guys were mentioning. And I seriously believe, like, why why are we not talking more about KT, man? I believe this guy is the best pass rusher in this draft because, again, Lovey admitted that he will die for his Tampa, Tampa 2. Because it's all engine in the front four. We got gashed by Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry all these all these years in the AFC. If we're gonna win the AFC South or at least compete in the AFC South, we gotta stop that run game. And I agree hundred percent with you guys with Jordan Davis on the thirteenth overall pick. If he's there, we gotta turn that card in. But Kyle Hamilton, that could be a sneaky scenario that, you know, Lovey might just do it because that man is such a flexible player. He reminds me of Isaiah Simmons like last year, but so much better. Like, forget about the 40. Just look at his film. I checked out his film, man. It, it It's clear night and day. So that's all I got to say, boss. All right. I appreciate it, sir. No no complaints here from from anything really said there. I mean, it, you can't really you can't really go wrong. At the at this point in the draft, with, with the first three picks of the draft for the Texans, it seems like they have so many needs, and I don't see how you could really go wrong. It almost any pick just feels like it, it fits at some in some form or fashion. All right, except running back for you. Except, except for running, running back. back, I was talking about. I said the first three picks of the draft. That was well. I guess that does include the second round. So yeah. All right. Cole has been patiently waiting. We'll go with Cole Stubby next, and then Chino, and then JV official to finish it out. Cole, what you got, sir? Yes, sir. How y'all doing? Good. Uh, I had a question. Uh, the reports that's been coming out recently, since Casario like keeps everything to chest, do you think that's kind of just a smokescreen? Or do you think they're really interested in somebody? And if they do go cornerback, I mean, don't you think it would be have to be somebody like Stingley with the upside? Because, I mean, I just – if Sauce was in, like, a draft, like, last year, don't you think, like, if, like, a J.C. Horn or somebody – I mean, that's kind of, like, the same level. Would you consider him, like, a top three pick? I, just, I think Stingley's a – he's got the potential – the yeah, yeah I think the ceiling on Stingley, I think, is much higher, and yeah. and yet the opportunity is, I think, the opportunity there with him and what he can become out outweighs the risk of drafting him. And it going back to your first part with Nick keeping everything quiet and how he says he doesn't care about social media, he he doesn't really talk much to the media. I think there's some other voices in an organization that will will get things out, whether for a certain purpose or 
whatever that may be. But like I said, I noticed that just today alone that there was, I think what McLean said, Equano, I saw Connor Rogers said that Texans were in love with Neil. And then I see a, a lot of push on Stingley and it just, there's multiple leaks coming out. And I don't know if it's for a specific reason. Landry and Mike might have more, more insight to this than I do. There might be a little more plugged in, but it just, it's amazing. And I tweeted out today of it's amazing how much smoke and misdirection and confusion and, and conversation that the Texans have drummed up to where they're, they're getting the national national guys like Ian Rapport going on air saying, we really have no idea what Houston's going to do at three. I mean, any they're saying anything is a wild card at this point. Well, I also think, and Cole, that was, that was some good stuff right there. I I think that if you listen to Rappaport, the specifics he's giving, uh, it, it leads me to believe they really like Stingley because he's talking about scheme fit. He's talking about three not being a reach, et cetera. Uh, and the reason I think these leaks come out is because I think when you're in control and – you know you can't trade, and you've heard all three GMs. You've heard Casario, you've heard the Lions GM, and you heard Balky say, you know, we really haven't gotten very many phone calls on this. I almost think you condition your fan base to be prepared. Like, what is really the payoff for Jacksonville if they're going to take Walker of, you know, getting fans worked up about Hutchinson, and then all of a sudden you take Walker? So I think you get your fan base prepared uh, for the situation, for the scenario. So I think the Texans are putting it out there that they like Stingley and it could be a possibility to where it's just not some sort of bombshell because the Texans are essentially on the clock right now, assuming it's going to be Walker and assuming it's going to be Hutchinson after that. So I don't see any negative. I think the best point Cole brought up uh, was, you know, you look at the corners last year. Uh, would they have three in the top 11 before the Cowboys? Yeah, Sertan, Horn, and um, gosh. Sertan. Horn and there was one more. Golly, come uh, on! Now I gotta go to the interwebs to. It was, it was, yeah, it was Sertan Horn. Yeah, there were three corners. Um. Anyway, if you would have looked at the corners last year, I think Sauce Gardner would have been probably the fourth. Jeff o- uh, o- Okunda, Detroit. Oh, yeah. that, that, that was. Uh, and C.J. Henderson. That, that, and C.J. Henderson went nine. So there was. Yeah. Those, those were the year before. Those were the year before. That oh, damn, you're right. I did. Yeah, I last, typed in the year, wrong thing. Gosh, yeah, last, year was, last, last was, year was only two. Last year was only two. The next guy who went was uh, Caleb Farley to the uh, Titans at 20. Okay, so okay. it was it was two. Okay, so yep. yeah, I think Gardner would have been the third best corner uh, yeah. last year. Um, and I oh, think Greg if, Newsome if, too. Yeah. Yeah, if, yep. Stokes. Okay. If Stingley had been out, he would have been ahead of those guys. Uh, if we're just basing it on talent and we're not worried about injuries, he would have been before those guys. Now, and, where, where would Sauce slide in with Horn and Sertan? Probably behind but, them, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, but Stingley would be ahead of them if we just, you know, again, and it's a big thing to ignore, but if you feel good about the medicals, uh, he's going right there. So... I'm with him on that. I yep. can be sold on Stingley, and I and I think you can read between the lines. Uh, it's one thing for Ian Rappaport to say there's uncertainty, but when he's going specific, scheme fit, not a reach, etc. Uh, I've heard they like Stingley. You heard Nick talk about you know guys who might have had injury history and not be fully ready or whatever. I, I think you can read between the lines and tell that they they do like Stingley. Mike, anything? 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. I think Landry's point is fair about kind of conditioning your fan base when you're in control. And it seems like the top of the board is going to go Walker 1, Hutchinson 2. I also think part of the uncertainty is just, like, you can look at these teams and you can kind of figure out, like, what they need. Like, with the Jaguars, you knew that they obviously didn't need cornerback, the quarterback and that they were going to go probably with an edge rusher or an, off- or an offensive lineman. With the Lions, probably a defensive player. But he, I think part of the uncertainty with Houston is that this is a GM that does not have a track record of drafting high picks in general, nor with this team. And the roster is kind of so barren that they can go in any direction. So I, I think that also plays into it. Just the combination of the lack of, uh, the lack of history with the front office and also just the state of the roster right now. Because like you, you hear, like you look at Carolina and it's like the reverse conversation. It's like, are they going to take a quarterback and do a reach? Or, hey, they have a desperate need at left tackle. What do they do about that at number six overall? I think that plays into the uncertainty at number three. Oh, Fitterer was, like, begging to have people call him for number six overall today during his presser. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he was begging for the draft because he, he has no other picks, and he came from John Snyder, who's a, who's a dra- trade-back maniac. So... We'll see what happens there at six. Uh, let's see, we had. Uh, so who do we have? Chino and then uh, George after that. That's right. So Chino and then JB official. Go ahead, sir. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Uh, I'd like to first off uh, thank Mike for um, touching on some of my questions. That I was going to ask uh, one about Zion Johnson at 13. Uh, like literally as soon as I thought of him, he answered. It's pretty funny uh, about trading up to get like Booth uh, and like the continuity about the O-line. But uh, I guess my question now is, uh, are there any uh, positions that y'all would be comfortable double dipping in the first um, like three rounds? Just or just because I, I know players fall to so say like in the third round, like, Someone like a Jabo or or like uh, say a safety, um, say like Petrie or I like maybe it's like by some miracle Brisker or or something like that or or just a position. Say we drafted um, a corner uh, early, like we got Derek Stingley Jr. and then Roger McCreary falls at like um, the, the top of the third. Are y'all comfortable double dipping, or are there like positions that are y- y'all think we would be okay double dipping in? Yeah, I mean, I, like I mentioned earlier, I don't. You're not going to cover your whole roster with one draft. So if if the a player that's high on your board that falls into that kind of position, and if it's somebody like on day two in the third round that may not be a a week one starter, but somebody that can develop into it later in year one or the start of year two, then have no issues at all double dipping because the roster turnover in the NFL is very high. And we've seen it already with Casario that the roster turnover from year one to year two in his tenure was very high. I think uh, Jason on OTC put up a, a study just the other day that the average turnover right now, I think the last eight or nine years is like 52% of the rosters turned over year to year. And over a two-year span, only 32% of the roster remains after two years. So double dipping is 
perfectly fine with me if that's the player that fits fits your need and is high on your board and is there available available for you to draft because we know injuries happen we know depth is needed and you still need players for special teams you need players that continue to develop so if there's any I don't think there's really any position you just cannot double dip at I mean you can double dip at wide receiver you can double dip at edge at cornerback I mean you you need not only do you need impact players at almost every position, you need depth at almost every position. Yeah, as far, as far as specific dips, like I would say if you took Stingley at three and then Elam falls to, you know, 37, why not, you know? Mm-hmm. Mike, anything you take, on that? Oh, take, still going. Okay. If, if Thibodeau falls to you at 13 and then there's another edge guy, uh, go there, but I could see Stingley and then Elam or Thibodeau and then some edge guy. Uh, I could see that being a possibility. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Chino. We'll jump. Yeah. Looks like we lost a couple other people. So Josh, Josh Wells gets to finish this out. Josh, what you got, buddy? Finish strong. Can you hear me? Yep. All right, um, so I, I, I might have missed this. I don't know if y'all covered this or not, but I was curious to know, um, so hypothetically, if we do take Stingley at three, um, would it be another reach to go for a safety at 13, like if Hamilton fell there? No. Or is that just grabbing the best talent? No, we, yeah, we did, we did talk about that earlier. Yeah. yeah, if Hamilton is there at 13, then you, you take it and run. And if if you go Stingley Hamilton, then yeah, that's a fantastic haul for your first round. I, no issues whatsoever with that. Gotcha. Okay. And then my my second thing was, what do you think would be more likely to happen on draft day? Would you think the Texans draft two defensive players or two offensive players with their picks? Man, defense. Yeah, that's where I'm going to. I think as far as more likely, more likely, more likely, the way the board's settling, yeah, yeah it feels th- like it. Yeah, I think that's probably more likely, just based on the chances that they like Stingley or Sauce at three. I would say a, a little bit more likely. All right. I appreciate it, Josh. All right. So before we close this out, I was going to ask each of y'all, you're willing to, if you're willing to put a name on it, who 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 are the Texans going to go at three and thirteen? Assuming they don't trade out of either spot, what what's your what's your name to go with right now? Is this a prediction or prediction? Yes, I'm sorry, prediction. All right, I think I think they like Stingley. I don't I don't think it's a coincidence uh, how in depth Rappaport is going. So I'm going to go ahead and take Stingley uh, at three, and then thirteen. I'm going to say the wide receiver run creates an opportunity to try to bring you know uh, their own version of the legion of boom and kyle hamilton falls into the lap of the houston texans and you have stingley and hamilton back to back on a billboard with the houston (laughs) legion of boom baby (laughs) mike i'll say i'll say Derek stingley and chris olave okay okay i can get down with that and that's pretty much where I was heading to. I I, I was going Stingley at three, and then uh, Garrett Wilson at thirteen if he if he makes it down there. But I'm definitely definitely on board with with Landry's picks as well. And then one other hypothetical before we shut this down. 
Keep them going. Tad. So Keep if going. if Davis Mills had gone back to college for one more year and did not <laughs> and did not have you know just a horrific year, but didn't have you know a blowout year and you know just kind of stayed the course, where would he be the best quarterback in this draft? No, he would be. A, I think he'd be a second round pick. He would be behind Pickett and and Willis at this point in your advice. I mean, based on the hypothetical you laid out, yes, because, you know, Pickett statistically had a better year than that hypothetical. And I I think Willis, with his arm and legs, just has more elite attributes and upside. I'm curious what Landry thinks about this. I I don't know how good he would have done on this Stanford team. Like, (laughs) they they were absolute ass last year. Uh, So I, I don't know how good he would have looked at Stanford. Now, if you told me that Davis Mills... We were going to see what we saw from him last year with the Texans, and then all of a sudden you put him in the draft after that. I think there's a chance uh, that maybe he goes at the end of the first round, but I think he would just be in the mix. I don't think he would be head and shoulders above, and a lot of that has to do with I don't know how good he would have looked at Stanford uh, with the way that team performed last year and, and you know just how bad they were. I think he right. might have got out at the right time. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right. Well, that will be it. We'll call it a night. Mike. What? Yeah. I ran out Get of talking you some points. Coffee. Get you some coffee. I ran I out of talking points, man. I thought we were going till 12 Easter. 12 Easter. <laughs> <laughs> why, why Easter? Why? I don't know. I was just trying to make You've had too much to, McDonald's. I was trying to go till the next day. <laughs> Clearly. I'm talking Mike Meltzer now. Yeah. Hey, uh, welcome to the 12 Eastern. We're going to have a guest Fair. on. Well, I appreciate the time, guys. I, you know, excited for the excited for Thursday night and Friday night, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see Are what you the going tech. To the party cap? I am not. Dude, it, anyone in here going to the party? Let me know. Uh, we'll be out there. Come by, say hi. Where Where is it at again? Anyone going to the party? Where is it at again? Miller Outdoor Theater. Miller Outdoor yeah, Miller Theater. Outdoor Theater. Gonna be fun. Anyone going, come by. We'll be out there. Love mingling with the people. Are you going to be walking so, around, or are you going to be up on stage with the mic the whole time? I'm going to be walking around. I'm going to be mingling with people. I'm going to be watching the draft. I'm going to be taking notes, picking brains, having conversations. Taking notes? Venu's going, going to be probably giving me his whole damn mock draft. We're going to, we're, we're going to be in the oh, building. Vera. <laughs> Vera. I said Venu. Yeah. Jeez. As of right now, I don't plan on being there, but maybe things will change. We'll see. Tap, get you some coffee and get it together. It's draft day, buddy. I hear you. I hear you. Um, but no, I, I appreciate the time, guys. Um, thank you for, for coming on, and uh, this will be an exciting week. Got another hey. newsletter coming out tomorrow, so be on the lookout for those who subscribe to that on capandtrade.substack.com. And with that, Landry, did you have something else you wanted to say? Tomorrow, 7.15, I'm doing a Spaces with Sean. I want to see all you there, including you, Cap. And I don't want to hear karate excuse or a basketball practice or gymnastics or soccer. 7.15. I'm trying to think. That might yeah. – well, yeah, I'll try, to, I'll try to jump in there. I'll, I'll try to make some time. So, Thanks, man. No, thank you for coming on. Thank Mike, you guys. have a good evening, Mike. Landry, have a good night. You and too. And we'll talk soon, guys. And with that, we'll shut it down. Thank you.